0: Hi, I'm Ben Richardson, and you're listening to The Karate Podcast, where we talk about karate, the competitive sport of Kumite, and the warrior's journey. Brought to you in association with Kumite Coach, the world's first progressive online high-definition coaching platform, created by coaches and fighters for coaches, fighters, and students of karate. Join kumitecoach.com today and take your karate to the next level. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Kumite Coach podcast. We're super excited today to have with us Amy Connell, a Team GB member, European bronze medalist, and Olympic contender. So, Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a real pleasure to have you here.
1: Hey, well, thank you
0: so much for having me. Absolute pleasure um so could you I'm really interested in your story could you just tell us a little bit about how karate started for you initially
1: yeah so I started it's pretty much been in my family since I grew up so my dad teaches karate um, and I literally from age three started going along to his classes um my big sister was a little bit older she was competing in karate as well and I basically just fell in love with it from a young age started really young and just kind of Found my passion
0: with it. Nice. And what were the uh, most important experiences or events that led you to becoming a fighter? Because obviously karate's got more than the fighting aspect, but it's this is what you're known for. Yeah, it's
1: true. I um because well, my sister actually she competed in the other discipline, which is kata. And mm. for me, I just I always loved fighting. <laughs> um, so I don't think I was always the, the little sister that was a bit more <laughs> um out there. And I just fell in love. Like I used to always watch fighting, I just thought it was such a exciting sport to do and I watched my sister compete for for Scotland as well so I've seen her competing for karate and I just loved the entire sport.
0: Mm, Excellent and um, you never had that experience like I know a lot of kids in my own academy like the idea of fighting but then they get punched in the face (laughs) and that kind of like makes them reassess it but that wasn't something that happened to you then? Mm.
1: I think just because I quite because I probably started really young. So I think I was kind of just you kind of get used to it. Um because now you don't even think twice of getting hit in the face. It's just kind of part of training, part of competing. Yeah. Um so I can I can say that I've I've not been there. Maybe when I was really young, if you asked my coaches, they might have been like, maybe I was like that, but you kind of grow out of it, I suppose, when you are training a lot and you get used to getting hit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um so Looking back, was there there a point when you realised you were going to really commit yourself to karate as opposed to just, you know, have it as a hobby that the majority of us do? Uh, What was that point that happened to you?
1: So for me, I think I started competing like most kids when maybe I was like seven or eight years old. And then for me, I went to a competition in Japan, actually, when I was relatively still young and... I did really well there. And I remember just thinking like, this is amazing, like traveling the world, competing, mm-hmm. doing what you love. And that was really it. That was, I think when I, when I speak to my coaches as well, they just said they knew at that moment, like you just loved that arena, you loved competing and just doing your sport. So that was, I might have been like 11 or 12 then. And that was probably when I just knew.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Japan at that age is pretty, uh, pretty exceptional really to, to have that experience. Yeah. <laughs> was that was that because your dad and your sister were involved in karate that's why you're over there
1: yeah they were going there was a, a competition over there and they were going my sister was competing as well and my dad was um coaching and doing other things and i got to go along with them so we were lucky
0: <laughs> magnificent um how have your goals uh changed over time maybe i know you've been competing for a long time so, so maybe in the in the last kind of decade, have those goals started to shift and change for you?
1: Um, I think like, like most athletes, they grow as you become a better athlete because you've achieved one goal and you set another goal and they, they build up. So for me, I think I've always had high aspirations um, and it's been amazing just ticking the things off along the way. So for me, it was obviously, it started off Scottishes, Britishies um, and then internationals, Europeans, Worlds. And then obviously the, the most important one that we just got given the um, exciting opportunity to, to go for, which was Olympics, which is just yeah. every kid's dream, I think. So I think, yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Just my, my goals and aspirations have always just built up. And for me, worlds and Europeans are still the, the ultimate of karate and the Olympics is just an extra amazing chance that we have a one-off chance for, for going for.
0: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And um, so with your uh, career, uh, was there, were you successful straight away as a competitor or did it take time and you kind of hit a tipping point? Um, have you had points where you've you've been successful and you've lost form? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, um, I think this is, a, this is an interesting question definitely. I personally I don't openly speak about it. I was quite successful when I was younger. Um, my first Europeans that I went to I came home with a, bron- a bronze medal so when you're 14 years old you kind of think that that just happens all the time. (laughs) because You've done well your first one. So I was quite lucky. I did um, quite well at a younger age. I had another European bronze medal juniors as well. Um, So I was quite used to doing well at that level. Um, And it was really, really good. I was kind of building things up and I actually got a really bad injury um, when I was maybe five years ago now, four years ago now. Um, And that was the biggest kind of tipping point in my career because I was used to doing quite well. Like I wasn't really maybe, I don't know, appreciative as much as what I had. Um, and then I've, that really bad injury kind of knocked me back a lot. I was out for about two years wow, and awesome. then I came back and everything kind of changed from there. That's when I just fell back in love with my sport and it was just really yeah. grateful that I could get back to competing.
0: Yeah. So that, was that when you had nine fractures in your legs yeah. and two plaster casts, one in each leg?
1: Yeah, <laughs> tough thing.
0: Yeah. So how, how do you deal with that mentally? Because particularly as an elite competitor at that stage already, mm-hmm. you know, you then I guess stop training. Um and I read that uh, you know a lot of doctors were saying it's probably not you're probably not going to compete again. Mm-hmm. I mean to come back from that's quite impressive. So how, how did that occur for you?
1: It was um yeah it was a looking back it's a strange time to look back on but at the time it was yeah mentally very tough to, to overcome at the time like you were saying a lot of doctors were saying I probably wouldn't be able to come back because our sport is very repetitive movement jumping up and down um, but I think most athletes as well like you always in the back of your mind you just you don't want to give up on it like you always think I have no there's nothing to lose if I try my best, do all my rehabilitation, and if we don't make it, we don't make it. Well, at least we've done absolutely everything to get back, um, and that's literally what I've done. I just switched my focus from feeling sorry for myself at first to, to really putting it towards, like, being positive and thinking, like, taking the little baby steps to get better and to get back to recovery, um, and it took a long time. It wasn't um, it wasn't easy. It wasn't plain sailing, but it was 100% worth it because when I got back to competing at the top level, I just I appreciated it so much more. Like, I'm just... I love what I do and I'm just so grateful that I actually get to get back and do that now.
0: Yeah and do you feel that um, helped you as a competitor like overcoming that hardship and then giving you renewed focus?
1: Yeah uh, definitely like 100% I, I think that if you speak to any athlete that's been through something like that they it makes them so much stronger. I like I was saying I'm just mentally stronger as well as like everything else but just you've You've struggled so much that you've come back and you know that when you're when you put in that hard work, you just want to keep going with it. So I would say it's definitely maybe a much more like grateful athlete, like excited athlete as well. Like I, I love what I do and I don't take it for granted. So I think that's a big thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um so what role do others play or have others played in your development to this point in your your career?
1: And people around me, I mean you. Yeah
0: yeah yeah sorry yeah
1: so for me i i've been really lucky i personally have a great little um group around me i think most people do and when you're you're up at that high level um so for me my coach has been with me since i was tiny um and we have a really really good um relationship which i'm so grateful for so he comes with me to different competitions um pushes me to Tears and training in a good way, um, and so yeah, I've been really lucky with Martin, Martin Douglas. So that's who I've got with my coach, and we have an amazing squad. Shetland, Scotland. So that's my dad's club. He yeah. grew up there, um, and all the competitors just bounce off each other. We're really good energy, and um, I'm so grateful for my teammates because they again just they you're. I suppose it depends on who you've got around you, but you need people to push you in training. So I've got there's so many people that are just pushing you to become better and because they're wanting to get better themselves so again people around me are really good i've also got good family around me my mom my dad my sister and um, my sister coaches as well so it's just having people to understand what you do and why you're doing it is makes a big difference
0: yeah yeah um there's, there's obviously a lot of people who um want to compete are competitors or were before the whole lockdown situation um not everyone has access to a competitive club so what kind of things do you do outside of the dojo um you know that that helps you be a better performer on the tatami
1: um I personally do a lot of like Olympic lifting that Mm -hmm. type of thing so in the gym I've got a strength and conditioning coach I do stuff for like plyometrics that type of thing as well as just in general fitness like your normal gym work Cardio work, um, but I do a lot of like explosive power stuff because it translates really well into karate with the skills that we do for kicking and punching and being really explosive, sharp movements.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, yeah it's
1: Important for people.
0: Yeah, and well, um, you've been you've obviously got this uh, great squad that you're part of. Have you had uh, particular training partners that have helped you push that a little bit further?
1: You're gonna make me name people.
0: <laughs> oh my
1: goodness, I can't. I can't. We're such a good team. Everybody genuinely does play a massive part, um, and I think like I think that everybody in a club plays a part, whether it's someone who you train with every day or whether it's the people that you fight with when you do little tournaments. I, I believe that they all, and even just people like normal people who don't even compete that you just get to train with now and then. I do believe that you can take something from from everybody. So yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I don't know what the word is, but I'm gonna sit back and not name any of them, but um there's so many. I have an I have an incredible squad from I'm gonna say Shuttle Guys Scotland, the full team, they all know who they are. So
0: okay, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> uh have you had any unexpected moments in training or competition that challenged your understanding of how good you are as a, an athlete and competitor? Definitely. I
1: think in training, that's when most of the time you doubt yourself i think a lot of the like the hard work and the kind of sacrifice and the like tears and emotion all comes out in training the the tough training sessions so i think a lot of the time in training i would say that there's doubts there all the time moves aren't working properly um training sessions that just don't go your way and it's not because you're a terrible athlete it's because on that day things weren't working for you and it's the same i would say it's the same in competition sometimes just things aren't things don't go your way in competition and it doesn't affect you doesn't mean you're the worst athlete it just means that you weren't your best a game you couldn't bring your best a game that day so I think that there's been a lot of times when I've doubted myself and I think if you speak to personally like every athlete there's there's been times where they have thought can I really do this like can I overcome this will I get better will I actually be able to do this um but it is just being mentally strong in those moments and going, do you know what? Like I'm doing the best that I can do. That's all I can do. Um, and you just, you turn up to training and you do, you leave everything there. And if you do that time and time again, then I think that helps build that mental stability.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of tagging on to that, could you could you tell us a little bit about how you prepare leading up to competitions and does that vary depending on like the size of the competition or the importance of it?
1: Yeah, so personally for me, I keep everything quite similar um, for different competitions. Obviously, we, with the way the schedule has been in the past few years, it's been a very busy schedule. So it has, but it's just um, for me, tapering down before competitions is the main thing. The, what we do in sessions depends on what my coach, Martin, what he thinks that we need to be working on for that competition in particular but just you've got the really tough training sessions between training weeks and then you taper down just before the competition so that things get a little easier and you're working on sharp, short and sharp sessions a bit more. Yeah. That's the, the kind of main thing that we do before competitions and the rest kind of leave up to, to Martin what he thinks he should be working on.
0: Okay and then on the day itself what kind of emotions do you experience on a competition day? Is it just excitement? Is there nerves there?
1: Um. um look, the nerves—they never go away. Like, I'm gonna put my hand up and say you're always nervous when you go to compete. Um, you just have to learn to love it. Like, I, I definitely get nervous at every competition. It, it doesn't go away, no matter how many times I've done them. Um, but I just think that you need to use them in a good way. So it's like good nerves. Um, and I think it's that like you were saying, excitement as well. It's that like nervous excitement that you've got a bit of both. Mm. Um. So for me, it's just knowing that I'm nervous, knowing that it's okay, and knowing that I'm gonna feel that way anyway, and I can use that nerves, put it into good energy so that I can use it on the mat in a good way rather than, yeah, letting it affect me in a, in a negative way or making it like make you freeze or anything like that. Just knowing that you're gonna feel these nerves and it's just how you put them in a, in a positive spin.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important because uh, I know a lot of uh, competitors really struggle, particularly as they're waiting to go on to compete. I think people probably look at you and competitors of your level and just think, oh man, those guys, they just like go on there, they do it, they never look worried, they never seem to be, you know, yeah. pent up or anxious. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, particularly for up and coming competitors, it's important they understand, yeah. you know, your mindset around that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think like, in terms of that, like what you were saying, there's no... Um, like we're not in control of that like there's some times where for my like my bronze match I was standing on the tatami for three full minutes just waiting on the timer because it wasn't working So like in those moments I had no control over it I was just standing waiting on somebody else to do something but that's when the airs kick in even more and that's when you just need to be like I can't control this doesn't matter like we are gonna fight anyway whenever the time goes it starts. so in moments like that I think that's when you just need to be like I'm not in control of this like let it go and just focus on what you can control on
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna switch tactics a little bit and then come back to the the uh, amazing bronze European. Um, so you obviously had this really bad stress factor injury, which would be a huge, huge challenge that you've overcome. What, outside of injury, what are the biggest challenges you face um, as, a, as a top level fighter for your sport? I would
1: say set yeah mindset um because physically everything when everything's working if it's outside of injury your body's fine everything like that but it's mentally hard to to be at your game your a game all the time or it's mentally hard to like continue going all the time even maybe if you have had a few defeats in a row or things haven't been going your way it's just the mental side of being a an athlete and being competitive and and then that environment is just you need to be so aware of your own mindset.
0: Yeah. And are you are you constantly thinking of that? Like when you're, I mean, because obviously you've got a life outside of karate, but that life will impact on your karate as well. Yeah. So when you're, you know, your your sort of nutrition, your uh, lifestyle, um, even I guess who you hang out with, whether a positive impact on you or or not so much. Do, is that like a constant battle there or do you have that kind of under wraps?
1: No, personally, I'm very lucky. I'm mean, now in a good position where I have kind of all of those things ticked off. Um, I suppose you get to a point where you, you're you in control of that. When you're younger, maybe you're not in control of maybe who you hang about with as much or that type of thing. But I think when you, you get to the level that I've been doing this for a long time now, so I personally have I've got good people around me that I want to have around me that are a really positive influence. Um, and anybody that is negative or maybe doesn't support your dreams then I personally just wouldn't have them in my in my circle um, and yeah like nutrition wise that's something again that you can control so areas like that control like being around positive people just having a good mindset like that's things that I know for me it impacts my sports I do make sure that I'm looking at that when I'm in my normal day-to-day life and I suppose most athletes actually like sport feels like your life, but you do have a life outside of that as well.
0: Yeah. And are you you training as hard now in the lockdown kind of period as you would be in the regular season?
1: It's been tough. So it has definitely with our um, clubs being closed, that type of thing, but it's just trying to find a good balance where we are because we need to still be competing and training to our max because let's be honest the time, time is flying by we're almost at the, the new year already so it's yeah. just making sure that we find a good balance of pushing ourselves in these new ways that we can whether it's zoom or whether it's um, in person and we're just trying to make the most of that
0: yeah yeah um so could you tell us a bit about your experiences because um you've had some amazing results obviously on the tatami you've got silver at the uh, paris Uh, Open which is a massive tournament uh, bronze at European level which is an incredible feat would you mind just telling us a little bit about those experiences?
1: Yeah yeah, of course Um, so the Paris K1 that was like a really defining competition for me actually that was my first like big international back after my injury for when I was out for two years so I think that for me it was just a I was like I was saying at the start, I was so grateful just to be back competing, but it kind of defined that I was back where I wanted to be. like I was back competing with the best in the world and and able to get to the final and and compete along with the the best in the world, really, because that is it was all there. So for me that that was a massive competition. like I'm very, very proud to have been to have been there and to be in, in the mix and to to have got to the final. So for me. I think that plays a massive part because it was just about getting back to doing what I wanted to do, doing what I love. Um, so that was an exciting tournament. So it was, I had uh, like a lot of my, because it was in Paris as well, I had my, Martin was there, he was my coach, I had my sister there, my mum was there to watch. So it was just, it's nice having, like I had my little circle around me, which was really good as well. And um, a lot of my teammates were there too competing. So just everything about that, if any athletes listen to this and they've competed in Paris, then... It's just one of the, the best stadiums to compete in. I just think yeah. it's exciting. It's actually, it's where I won my first junior European bronze medal when I was 14 in the same yeah. Yeah, the same place. So for me, again, it's not good memories, that whole. Mm.
0: And, and on the day of that particular tournament, did were things just clicking for you? Did you have, you know, was it was it a, a tough tournament? Did you feel like you are in the zone? How did, how did it go down for you?
1: So it was, I think I had five rounds to get to the final and it just felt like I suppose against every time you get to a round you just feel more like you kind of build on your confidence as you're going and you're more in the zone, more you're, everything starts to fly um, and I felt good in warm up and um, so it felt like things were, were going right and then it just yeah, it just clicked into place for me the, the first round. Was was good. I scored a good good few points. Everything kind of opened up, and then it was pretty much just like flowing from there. And um, I just remember getting to the the semi final and just thinking like, "Wow, like this is it? Just go out there, give it everything you've got, and just yeah, do what you've been doing in training because that's what we do. We do it all for that moment, isn't it? To get into finals, to to be in those medal matches. That's what it's all for. So for me, that was one of yeah, one of the most exciting. memories that I've got actually of being a senior athlete.
0: That's wonderful. the And how how did that compare to the European uh, championship? Well,
1: it's funny because they they were they weren't that far apart really, but it's um, they were very different emotions, I think, because I, like I was saying, that Paris had just came back. So I was kind of just like, it was all fresh again. Whereas we, yeah. Europeans, we'd had a really busy cycle of different competitions. And um again I was going into the Europeans just thinking I've done everything that I've done, like I've done the best that I can do in training, I've worked hard and just went out there and just enjoyed it. And um I again I think it was it was five rounds to get to the the fi- the final and I got beat in the semi final and it was uh one of the closest matches. <laughs> um, it's always isn't it? It's always one one point in it and um just yeah, it was, it was a really good day that day, everything like it was the same with like the other one, things were fire and I was just um, loving it, really enjoyed the, the day and then um, on final day, again it's similar to Paris, it's the day after that you compete, um, so I had a bronze match there and um, it was just exciting, <laughs> so it was for anyone watching, I'm sure they, they felt the same, it was quite a close match um, and it was just, yeah, a lot, a very emotional one, actually, that one, because Europeans, like, you hear people speaking in European World Championships, they are our biggest ones. So it was, for me, it was a, an emotional one to, to win, but I was so proud of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was great. Really fantastic. Um, And then, of course, you uh, made it onto Team GB and the European Games. Could you, t- you tell us about, you know, the, the moment you found out you were, selected for that and then your experience at the Games?
1: Yes, so for that, to qualify for that, you had to, um, the person who won gold at the European Games, if you got beat by that person, that was how you got to go. So I, if I'm honest, I wasn't really expecting it, actually, to be very honest. Um, And the moment it hit, I remember, I was sitting beside eh, Joe Kellowing. Who also got to go and we both just looked at each other we were like oh my goodness we're going to Minsk um and that was just to have someone else to, to kind of enjoy that moment with was really nice so we were both just ecstatic it's something again like it's something you have doomed of as always wanting to do when you're a kid so it was a yeah really exciting moment and just the entire experience from finding out to going to the kit and out day to to traveling with the squad everything like that was phenomenal and the competition was just absolutely incredible it was really good matches the results didn't quite come the way we wanted but the, the experience was really good and I know for me it just gave me a little bit of a taste of what I wanted to to go down the line so if anything it gives you that little bit of like this is what I want and inspires just fires you up more for for the next time
0: yeah yeah it's really incredible to like get to that level I mean there isn't much after that really other than anything yeah. you know, next year hopefully
1: Definitely. <laughs> um,
0: so, uh, how close do you feel you are uh, to becoming the fighter you know you, you ultimately want to be?
1: Oh, good, good question. Um, personally, I still think I've got a long way to go. Um, I think that I'm happy where I am. I know that I'm I'm pushing to get better every day, but I still think that I've got a lot left in me to give and a lot left a lot left to improve on. So I think. And I don't know if that ever ends. I don't know if you ever speak to an athlete and they're like, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm here, I've arrived. Um, or if it's always like that, because I know for me, I've not got there yet. I know that I've, there's there's big mountains I've still got to climb. There's things that I really want to achieve and um to become the athlete that I want to be. There's a lot of work, a lot of hard work still to get done. So
0: Yeah. And who who's your inspiration as a fighter? Do you have particular people or a person that you think, yeah, that's it
1: um that's a tough question i i personally just i love like i love watching different fighters i don't have like one person that i'm like i aspire to be them or anything like that i just i love a mixture of people different people's fightings from different areas um and i think that that's what you do you kind of look at different athletes and you take different things that could work for you from from them um in the kind of sporting arena the like not in karate my my biggest kind of inspiration is Serena Williams. I'm a I'm a huge Serena of fan, fan. Um, so, in that sense, just in terms of, like, women empowerment and everything that she does that way, I think it's phenomenal for sport. Um, but in karate, just a good mixture of athletes, I would say. Everyone who's on the top of their game, like, you could pick a million different athletes. So, there's so many out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, what was going to ask you? Oh, yeah. Um, so, obviously, the Olympics has got moved. So. You know that must have been a bit of a disappointment to, uh, to see, like Tokyo has made it and then it gets moved because of uh, COVID nineteen. Um, what are your feelings now that uh, it's been revealed karate is not going to be in the twenty twenty four? How did how did you feel about that news? I
1: think um, I think that hit a lot of people hard. I don't think a lot of people expected it. Um, I know I personally didn't expect it. We heard about it a while ago, but obviously become an official and um, it was an interesting one. <laughs> so it was, um, but like when I started my karate career, it wasn't even in the Olympics. So I need to be so grateful that I've got the opportunity to potentially be a contender at this one. So I think it's, it's sad for the sport and um, that it's not going to be in 2024 for a lot of the younger kids coming through and for people that don't have the opportunity for this one because it is, I just think it's a great fit, like spectator sport probably a little bit biased but um
0: I agree I, <laughs> you
1: agree Good. I'm, I'm glad you agree. um I think that it is yeah I think it's great for people to watch so I think it is it is sad that it's not going to be in 2024 but fingers crossed you never know in the future or that but um yeah I think a lot of the athletes that are are coming up through the, the ranks that are younger coming up it is a shame for for them and for people that are in it right now
0: yeah yeah I'm sure once the public see it at the next Olympics there'll be a public outcry about why is it not in 2024 because it's fantastic
1: yeah I so, think I think people just don't know what it is I think a lot of the time people don't actually know what sport karate looks like so it's maybe just a it's never been shown enough yet for people to really know it would be a great fair sport
0: yeah yeah I agree I think so uh I guess finally uh do you have any advice for up and coming fighters, I think particularly female fighters, because we, you know, we still tend to be in a male dominated sports world at the moment, um, you know, so what, what would your advice be to those young athletes who are aspiring to get to where you are right now? I think
1: for, for males and females, just like, if this is something you love and you enjoy it and you, you want to do it and you're just, you're a little bit scared of whether you can or not, just give it everything you've got, like, just... I learned that from a young age, like leave nothing on the table with it. Just like, if it's what you want to do, find your kind of like flow with it, stick with good people around you, have good teammates, have good people around you that believe in you and just go the full way. Because I think it just shows that anything's possible when you put your mind to it. I'm a a firm believer believer of that. Um, And I think that it's just like being okay with the obstacles, like there's going to be obstacles that come up no matter what we do, whether it's sport or whether it's other stuff. So. I remember thinking, like, I'm gonna, I may as well have obstacles come up in the one thing that I'm really passionate about doing. Um, so that's that's the main thing for for both for for and in, in in particular for females. I think, like you were saying, it is quite a, a male dominated sport, and it is starting to come through with more more females coming through. And I think that it's just understanding that it's not it's a it's a sport for everybody. I think that that's hopefully becoming more now. It's just, and I'm a big advocate of that. Like, I think it used to be quite like. It's a very masculine sport, but I wear makeup, I wear dresses. Like it's such a sport that you can do both. That like you can um, you can be a fighter on the mat and a normal person outside. It's totally up to you what what you want from it. So I think that that for for kids growing up that being able to see that's a big thing for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. It was lovely to meet you.
1: Yeah, uh, and you Thank you for having all
0: best, me. All the best of the charity to come. And I hope you will get back on the competition's timing next year.
1: Yes. Thank you very much. Good. Talking.
0: <laughs> Thanks Thanks, Amy.